I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, fierce battle. The aftermath of a full throttle attack on a Gaza refugee camp as Israel refuses a ceasefire with Hamas. Ceasefire now! Stop funding this brutal massacre! Hearing interrupted. Protesters calling for a ceasefire in Gaza blast Secretary of State Antony Blinken during a Senate meeting. A call for aid. Mexico pours support into Acapulco after a Category 5 hurricane rips through the city. And spiritual warfare. It's all occult practices, witchcraft, you could say. It can get you into a lot of trouble. We'll tell you what you should avoid this Halloween to stay spiritually safe. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us. Our top story tonight, Israel confirms an airstrike hit the largest refugee camp in Gaza earlier today. According to officials in Gaza, 20 homes were destroyed in the blast. More than half of the more than 2 million Palestinians have fled the region. Israeli airstrikes have hit closer to several northern hospitals in recent days. This as Israel says that it is engaged in fierce battles with Palestinian militants during its efforts to wipe out Hamas. The Palestinian permanent observer to the United Nations is calling for a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas. Every minute counts. Every minute is the difference between life and death for Palestinians in Gaza. The plea comes as the leader of the United Nations Relief and Work Agency accused Israel of the collective punishment of Palestinians. He added that the handful of aid convoys that have been allowed into Gaza are not nearly enough for the more than 2 million people still in Gaza. According to Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry, more than 8,000 people have been killed, the majority women and children. As Israel goes after Hamas, the Biden administration is trying to keep the war from expanding. And with Iranian proxies attacking American personnel in the region, the U.S. has struck back, hitting targets linked to Iran. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Tracy, the Biden administration says they've made it clear to the Iranian government through recent military operations that the U.S. will defend its personnel in the region and hopes Iran will choose a path of de-escalation. But just today, Yemen's Houthi rebels, supported by Iran, claim they attacked Israel with missiles and drones. As Israeli troops battle Hamas, once again taking center stage in the White House press briefing room, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby taking more questions on the ongoing conflict, including the fear of it spilling over. We don't want to see a widening and deepening of this conflict by anybody, any actor, any state. Um, and we've also said that we've got key national security interests at stake here in the region, and we mean to protect and defend them. The war has threatened to ignite even heavier fighting on other fronts. Israel and Hezbollah have traded fire on a daily basis along the northern border. And as the Pentagon worries about U.S. troops in harm's way, it's also ready to respond. Our message is we will take whatever necessary actions to protect those forces, to deter future attacks, uh, and if and when we need to respond, we would do so at a time and place of our choosing. In addition, the White House, in a readout of a recent meeting involving National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and the Saudi Arabian Defense Minister, says it's committed to support the defense of U.S. partners against threats from state and non-state actors, including those backed by Iran. It emphasizes the importance of deterring any state or non-state actor from seeking to expand the conflict. 
Meanwhile, candidates seeking the Oval Office weighing in as well. Republican presidential hopeful Chris Christie says Iran is trying to incite regional war. We have to make really clear to Iran uh, any more of these games and things are going to get a lot heavier for them. And I think the president needs to use that language. Also today and separately from the Middle East war, the Biden administration has proposed a new rule affecting retirement savings. Here's how it works. They want to compel financial advisors to recommend the best accounts instead of the ones that give the advisors the highest commission. At the White House, Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. In meantime, the Vatican Secretary of State says that he supports a new plan to end the war in Ukraine. Cardinal Pietro Perlin says that he likes the proposal set forth by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and others. It was recently discussed by several world leaders in Malta. Cardinal Perlin says the Holy See will continue to work towards solving humanitarian issues in Ukraine. Well, that war in Ukraine, as well as the conflict between Israel and Hamas, took center stage today on Capitol Hill. Defense Department top brass and Secretary of State Antony Blinken testified before the Senate Appropriations Committee. It is part of a hearing reviewing the president's national security supplemental funding request. Our partners are making significant contributions to share the burden of assistance. Turning our backs on their efforts would have lasting implications for our own security and our own standing in the world for this opportunity to testify before you today. That hearing was stopped several times by anti-Israel protesters. But in the U.S. House, several Republicans want the funding to be voted on separately, including new House Speaker Mike Johnson. This week, the Speaker plans to bring it to the floor, a $14 billion Israel-only aid bill. Republicans want to take funds from the IRS to pay for it. As the conflict in the Middle East rages on, the Senate makes an important appointment. In a 53 to 43 vote, Senate senators voted to approve former Treasury Secretary Jack Lew as the new U.S. ambassador to Israel. This is a critical role as Israel defends itself in the war against Hamas. Well, Senator Tommy Tuberville continues to hold up military nominations, something that he has been doing since February. That's because the Alabama Republican says the Pentagon's abortion travel policy violates the law. Democrats and some Republicans keep pressuring him to drop the holds. And now Democrats want to change Senate rules in order to make it happen. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales joins us now with the latest. Eric. Well, good evening, Tracy. Yes, more than 300 military nominations have been blocked so far, and Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama isn't caving in. So Democrats, well, they're trying to change the Senate rules and allow many of the 300 to be approved with a simple few votes, promotions quickly. Senator Tuberville tells me that Democrats are just desperate. It'd be like getting in a football game and changing the rules on first down or two points. You can give three points for a touchdown. I mean, it is absolutely insane what the Democrats try to do. Uh, they'd rather burn down the Senate than negotiate. But with Israel now at war and dangers escalating in the Middle East, Democratic Senator Mark Kelly says it's vital for a dozen CENTCOM commanders to be at their new posts. We need to get these positions confirmed. If CENTCOM is not at its full strength, it hurts Israel, and it helps Hamas. Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona is one of those exploring the temporary rule change. Senator Tuberville tells me it's doomed to fail. Sinema's trying to, trying to find a way to, to make this work out, but uh, there's no way they can get enough votes. They'd have to have 60 votes from the Republicans, or 10, at least 10. That'd be mass suicide. 
you know, because we're supposed to be the pro-life side of the ledger. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy accuses Senator Tuberville of putting national security in second place. He said in a statement, quote, this is more evidence that the need to lock up women for their health care choices is more important to many Republicans than protecting our country or protecting Israel. The thing they care about most is criminalizing abortion. Senator Tuberville tells me readiness is not an issue. He adds the military has other problems. What's hurting us is is all these woke ideologies they're pushing in everything, including the military. They've ruined our DOJ, the CIA, the FBI, and now they're after the military. And you know, I'm afraid we're going to get into a war. I don't know what we. I don't know whether we can fight a war right now. Meanwhile, the Department of Defense continues to fire back and claims readiness and national security is at risk. The proposed rule change could be brought up this week. So far, no Republicans have signaled that they would actually support it. Meanwhile, Senator Tuberville tells me that he's going to continue to hold strong and fight for the lives of the unborn. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN News Nightly. On the death toll from last week's devastating Category 5 storm in Acapulco, Mexico, now stands at 45, with another 47 people still missing. Riots and looting broke out in the popular tourist city of 900,000 people as food, water, and other basics have become scarce. And now many are blaming the Mexican government's slow response. Joining us now from Mexico City to shed light on this unfolding humanitarian crisis is Chris Lopez, technical advisor for emergency program quality and management for Catholic Relief Services. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. First off, can you give us an update on the situation right now in Acapulco? Yes, thank you so much, Tracy, for the opportunity. And Honestly, the situation in Acapulco is devastating, and not only Acapulco, also in its neighboring communities and municipalities, right? As you well stated, the range of deaths currently is around 47 people, including 36 disappeared. Also, to give you a better picture of the impact, we have approximately 80% of the infrastructure of the city that's damaged or completely devastated. We have currently a team on the ground who is discussing and talking with families who have been impacted by the by the effects of Hurricane Otis, and they have shared that around 70 to 100% of their livelihood has been completely lost. Mm-hmm. There's also losses and the, the lack of access to food, water, sanitation, and first aid is devastating, including electricity. As a matter of fact, to be able to communicate and talk with our um, church partners and team on the ground, we use solar panel chargers and generators to be able to access that communication. So really the situation is is mind-blowing just as much as the hurricane has wiped away the city and its neighboring communities. Yeah, Chris, it sounds so dire there. What are the biggest needs for people right now, and how is your organization helping? Yeah, great question, Tracy. The biggest needs are essentially around access to food, access to clean water, and access to sanitation and other basic needs of first aid. Families are also looking for shelter and seeking opportunities where they can stay with their family members or relatives and friends to seek some form of roof or some way to protect themselves and stay stay, stay, stay sheltered, essentially, right? Uh, what are we doing with Caritas Mexicana and in collaboration with Catholic Relief Services? We are currently hosting and uh, shelters for approximately 500 families in the communities of Puerto Marquez, and Sagrados Corazones. And within these within these shelter opportunities, we're also providing access to food, clean water, and enabling these families to be able to access 
connectivity and electricity so that they can be able to communicate with their family members and, and relatives that are, that are far away to ensure that they are safe and secure. It is also very important to highlight coordination with other entities on the ground, both governmental and also nonprofit. Chris, I want to ask you this. I know in a lot of situations like this, natural disasters, there's complications even getting that aid to people. Um, are you having any challenges? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I think the main challenge were the impacts caused by Hurricane Otis themselves, right? There are clearly roads that are blocked and are not enabling the access to Acapulco, let alone communities that are further away from Acapulco, which is why as well as, and as I said before, coordination with other um, entities governmental and nonprofit is enabling us to be able to access and clean the roads to be able to provide that path, to provide that support. It's also important that with our church partners, we're able to create that chain of distribution and change of, um, of delivering needs from one place to another. We're almost out of time, but quickly, um, if people want to help out, how can they do so, Chris? Yeah, that's a great question. I really encourage everyone to provide any support that they can. Just visiting crs.org website, you will find a donation page. Thank you. Chris, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. And we're praying for everyone down there. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Our bishops in Spain say that they will listen to the victims identified in the country's first official probe into clergy sexual abuse. Escuchar, escuchar a las víctimas es Horrible. Uh, the president of the bishops' conference is calling for empathy for the victims of abuse, but the bishops question media interpretations of the report that put the number of victims in the hundreds of thousands. They say many victims had been abused outside of the church. Why judge says the state of Kansas cannot enforce its new pro-life law on abortion pills. The ruling also blocked the state from enforcing older restrictions on abortion. The order is set to remain in effect until the start of a trial next June. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including new definition, why medical group redefined the meaning of infertility and what it signals to women and families. And signs point to know what an exorcist says about contacting the dead. According to the CDC, infertility is defined as generally not being able to get pregnant after one year of trying to conceive. However, a new definition was released earlier this month by the medical group, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. The new definition states infertility as, quote, a disease, condition or status characterized by any of the following, including the inability to achieve a successful pregnancy based on a patient's medical, sexual and reproductive history, age, physical findings, diagnostic testing, or any combination of those factors. And joining us now to talk more about this and the implications of redefining infertility is Emma Waters, research associate at the Heritage Foundation's DeVos Center for Life, Religion, and Family. Emma, good to have you on. We appreciate it. So talk to us more about this new definition of infertility and why redefine it and why now? 
So this redefinition of infertility actually follows a couple of states who have already passed laws to this measure. So Illinois in 2021 enacted this redefinition, um, and a large part of the lobbying came from an organization called Men Having Babies, who works really closely with major fertility organizations like Resolve and the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. And so in each of these endeavors to redefine infertility, they've explicitly stated that the goal is to allow same-sex couples to to access health insurance benefits. Um, and this also includes single people like women or men who on their own can't asexually reproduce. Um, and the big problem with this is not only does it change um, infertility um, from a medical diagnosis to a matter of someone's personal feeling or preference, but it also requires health insurance companies to pay for this illusion, which means that anyone else who's on that health insurance company um, who may or may not have moral um, reasons to oppose this, they will now, their premiums will now go towards funding someone else's redefinition of infertility, um, providing in vitro fertilization really for anyone who wants it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, what does that mean for us as taxpayers and as Catholics? Yeah, and this is a huge concern because none of these um, redefinitions or none of these bills actually uh, allow for any sort of religious liberty or conscious protections. So um, Cory Booker this past year actually introduced a bill that would expand IVF access um, nearly for anyone, and it includes this redefinition of infertility. What's so notable is that he doesn't allow for any religious exceptions, um, and it's certainly not something that you can simply assume that would be in the bill. So effectively, what it's saying is not only will they be forced to provide in vitro fertilization, which many Christians and conservatives have good reason to morally oppose, but they'll allow it for any family structure whatsoever. So children could be born to two men, to two women, or to a single man, and there are no background checks to really um, oversee this process or ensure that they're going to a good home. And I want to ask you this, I mean, specifically for women, what does this signal for women? And do you think this redefinition in a way distorts, you know, the God-given gift of motherhood? Oh, absolutely. And this is what I think is so offensive to a lot of couples who really are struggling with a medical diagnosis of infertility. Imagine going to your doctor and knowing that you as a heterosexual natural couple is genuinely struggling with infertility and is seeking options. And then they turn to a same-sex couple or a single woman and they say, oh, well, you're also clearly infertile. Even if their body is actually working perfectly fine, they're just going about it in ways that are not going to result in a child. And instead of being required to wait at least a year, like heterosexual couples do, oftentimes these state bills and these redefinitions by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine actually allow doctors to tell a same-sex couple, a transgender person, or a single person that they're infertile on the spot. So they don't even have to go through a waiting period, whereas typical heterosexual couples who actually have a medical condition that needs to be resolved do have to wait. Um, and so what this will inevitably do for men or male same-sex couples is this will fuel the demand for surrogacy because they will require a woman's womb in order to carry this child that they've created through in vitro fertilization. So it just like further undermines the importance of motherhood and really erases the essential role that women play in this process. Yeah. Emma, so much more I can ask. We're almost out of time, though, but quickly, I, I want to ask you this. Has there been any pushback from the medical community on this new definition? 
So far, we haven't seen any, and this is just further proof of the infusion of gender ideology within the medical system itself. Um, because of that, so many doctors are afraid to speak up about it, even if they do personally oppose it. And so that's why the Heritage Foundation and so many other organizations are doing what they can to raise awareness about this issue and think about ways that we can actually help couples who are struggling with infertility, not just encourage the illusion that men can have babies. Emma, we're going to leave it right there. Thank you so much for coming on for your insights. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, global gathering and order of lay people that works in the Middle East weighs in on the unrest in the region. Plus, advice from an exorcist on how to stay safe this Halloween. A historic organization of lay people charged with providing for the needs of the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem is gathering ahead of meetings next week in Rome. Their conference is going to focus heavily on the situation in the Middle East. EWTN Vatican journalist Benjamin Crockett has more. To come together from afar with our fellow brothers and sisters in the Holy Land to join in prayer for peace and to collectively ponder how we can increasingly embody the spirit of unity within the universal church. This will be a significant aspect of our gathering. With these words, Cardinal Fernando Filoni introduced this morning in the Holy See Press Office for the presentation of the 2023 Council of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. As Grand Master of the Order, Cardinal Filoni focused on the theme of this meeting that will take place in Rome from November 6th to the 10th. This General Assembly brings together the delegates responsible for the Order's various peripheral structures around the world. We think that the formation is an essential point, first of all, to understand what we are and what we're doing. And the second, for those who would like to join, it is important that they will join just because uh, uh, we believe that uh, our mission towards the Holy Land uh, needs a spirituality, needs understanding, needs capacity. The Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem is a lay institution of pontifical rite and currently has 30,000 members present on five continents. Their mission is to consolidate the Christian presence in the land of Jesus by supporting the works of the Catholic Church in the Holy Land, especially those of the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem. The current complicated situation in the Holy Land was also a topic discussed at the end of the press conference with Cardinal Filoni, who expressed his views and concerns. This gathering now comes in a moment very dramatic for Palestine, for the Israel, with so many people who were killed incredibly. And now, with the Palestine people, which are under so strong attacks, and we, of course, we understand that still being not part of one or the other, but still we have a role in this, uh, in this moment, especially in supporting our people, Christian, not Christian, all those who are there, 
At the conclusion of the meeting, participants will be received in audience by the Holy Father and will then make a pilgrimage to the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls and the Shrine of Divine Love. In Rome, Benjamin Crockett, EWTN News Nightly. Well, the New York Post recently published a story with what it said were tips for how to safely use a Ouija board to contact the dead. A Catholic exorcist from the Diocese of Nashville responded. So when you try to contact your deceased loved ones, you're not really making contact with them. You're making contact with usually a demon. And the demon impersonates your loved one. The demons have studied man since Adam and Eve. They know how we operate. They understand us. They're present around us. Right now, my guardian angel is here, as well as I would imagine many other angels. I'm in the church. But there's also demons present. And they watch and they listen and they learn and they impersonate incredibly well. Father Dan Rion says instead of trying to reach deceased loved ones, we should talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him to come into our lives and help us fulfill the tasks given to us every day by God. And we'd like to thank EWTN's Church Pop for bringing us that story. Make sure you check them out at churchpop.com for more fun, informative, and authentically Catholic news and culture. Well, finally, tonight, Capitol Hill has gone to the dogs. You can say it is a Halloween howler. Congressional staffers dressed up their pets and put them on parade at the Capitol. Check them out right there. You can't help but smile at these cute canines. And I think that's a hot dog right there. Uh, that's probably one of the few things that both parties can agree on. Just adorable. And we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.